ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so carrying on then with Manhaj al-Salikin of al-Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala We now arrived at the chapter Faslun Filmashi ala al-Khuffayni wal-Jabirah The chapter regarding wiping over al-Khuffayn which will come to the definition of the leather socks and also al-Jabirah meaning the cast that a person may be wearing and we'll get to the details of that too anybody want to read the chapter nobody prepared go on it وَإِنْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ خُفَّانٌ وَنَقُوهُمَا مَسَاهَا عَلَيْهِمَا إِنْ شَاءَ يَوْمٌ وَلَيْلَةٌ لِلْمُقِيمِ وَثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ بِالْلِيَالِ هُنَا لِلْمُسَافِرِ بِشَرْطِ أَنْ يَلْبَسَهُمَا عَلَى تَهَارَةٍ وَلَا يَمْسَهُ يَمْسَهُهُمَا إِلَّا فِي الْحَدَثِ الْأَصْغَرِ أن أنس رضي الله تعالى عنه مرفوعا إذا توضا أخذكم ولبس خفيه فليمس عليهما وليسلي فيهما ولا يخلؤهما إن شاء إلا من جنابة رواه الحاكم وصححه فإن كان على أداء وضوء جبيرة على كسر أو دواء على جرح ويدره الغسل مساحه بالماء في الهدس الأكبر والأسكر حتى يبرى وصفة مسح الخفين أن يمسها أكثر ظاهرهما وأما الجبيرة فيمسه على جميع so here then the sheikh says فِالْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ وَالْجَبِيرَةِ فَإِنْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ خُفَّانِ وَنَحْوُهُمَا مَسَحَ عَلَيْهِمَا إِنْ شَاءَ يَوْمًا وَلَيْلَةً لِلْمُقِيمِ وَثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ بِلَيَالِيهِنَّ لِلْمُسَافِرِ بِشَرْطِ أن يلبسهما على طهارة ولا يمسحهما إلا في الحدث الأصغر عن أنس مرفوعا إذا توضأ أحدكم ولبس خفيه فليمسح عليهما 
وليصلي فيهما ولا يخلعهما إن شاء إلا من جنابه رواه الحاكم وصحها فإن كان على أعضاء وضوئه جبيرة على كسر أو دواء على جرح يضره الغصل ما صحاه بالماء في الحدث الأكبر والأصغر حتى يبرأ وصفة مسح الخفين أن يمسح أكثر ظاهرهما وأما الجبيرة فيمسح على جميعها So in this chapter now then he says that if a person was wearing the khufayn, the leather socks, or something similar to them, then he can wipe over them if he wishes. For a day and a night, 24 hours, for somebody who is resident, not traveling. And three days and nights, for somebody who is traveling. And the condition for that is you must have put the socks on in a state of purification initially. And you can only wipe over them from the minor hadith, meaning if it's the major one, sexual impurity, etc., then you have to have the full ghusl. And Anas narrated that the Prophet said that when one of you makes wudu and then he wears his khuf, then he can wipe over them and pray in them and he doesn't have to take them off if he wants unless it is from janabah. And so, and then he mentions if a person has a cast on a broken bone when they put the 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 cast on what's another name for it cast that's it the cast yeah when they put the cast on top of a broken bone if you have one of those on or you have some area where there is medicine applied to it so you can't make the wudu and wash it off there's medicine applied to an area, maybe some injury or some wound or some other illness and there is medicine applied to that area, some type of cream and you're not allowed to remove it. So it would harm you to wash that area. Then in that case, on top of that cast, you can simply wipe over it in the major and minor impurity. If you have a cast on because you have a broken bone, then even when you make ghusl, you're simply going to wipe over that area. You cannot possibly wash under it when the cast is on for a broken bone, for example. Uh, and the method of wiping over the khufayn is that you wipe over the majority of the surface of them, the apparent surface of them. And as for the cast, you must wipe over all of it. It's not just one wipe, but all of it. You must wipe over the whole area. So, we'll have a look at some of these details now. Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentions here, Babul Mas'h ala al 
لما فرغ من باب الوضوء وكان من جملة الوضوء غسل الرجلين أردف ذلك باب المسح على الخفين So it's obvious to attach this chapter onto the chapter that we've just done The chapter that we've just done is the chapter of wudu Sifatul wudu And wiping over the socks on top of the feet is an extension of the wudu It is an aspect of the wudu Hence that chapter comes here now لأنه قد يكون على الرجلين ملبوس يشق نزعه Because possibly you may be wearing something on your feet And it's difficult to remove it ففي هذه الحالة يمسح على هذا الحائل بدلا من الرجلين So in this case you are allowed to wipe over that item that is covering your feet the socks, the leather socks, instead of having to wash the feet. وَقَدْ تَبَيَّنَ مِمَّا ذَكَرْنَ حَالَتَانِ So here two circumstances are being mentioned already. حَالَةً تَكُونُ الرِّجْلَانِ فِيهَا مَكْشُوفَتَيْنِ وَفِي هَذِهِ الْحَالَةِ يَجِبُ الْغُصْلِ كَمَا سَبَقْ that when your feet are exposed, meaning you're not wearing any leather socks or other socks or anything, and you make wudu, then you have no other option other than to wash the feet. In that circumstance, there is no other option. You're not wearing anything on top of your feet, so when you make wudu, you're going to wash your feet. There's no other option there. وَالْحَالَةُ تكون الرجلان مغطاتين بالخفاف ونحوها وفي هذه الحالة يمسح على ما على الرجلين بدلا من الغسل So the second circumstance or the second situation is that when it comes to making wudu you may be wearing something on top of your feet which you put on after being upon purification previously. So in that case now, you can wipe over what you were wearing. وَالْمَسْحُ فِي اللُّغَةِ إِمْرَارُ الْيَدِ عَلَى الشَّيْءِ Wiping, when we talk about wiping over the socks, linguistically wiping means to run the hand over something. To wipe something. And وَأَمَّا شَرْعًا As for legislatively speaking فَالْمُرَادُ بِالْمَسْحِ إِمْرَارُ الْيَدِ مَبْلُولَةِ بِالْمَعْ عَلَى مَوْضِعْ مَخْصُوصٍ بِصِفَةٍ مَخْصُوصَةٍ Islamically speaking though, when we talk about the masjh, then it is that you run your hand over or, in fact, it is that you run your wet hand, hand that is wet with water, run that over a particular area in a particular way. And we're going to get to the particular area and what the particular way is. وَالْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ رُخْصَةً 
And wiping over the socks is known as a ruhsa. A ruhsa is like an ease or a facilitation, an allowance that you've been given outside of the normal rule. The normal rule is known as the azimah. And then the exception that you're allowed is known as a ruhsa. So the azimah, the thing that is the default when it comes to the feet is that you're supposed to wash them. That's the azimah, the default, the origin, what you're supposed to do. Then there is an ease, a, an allowance, an exception outside of that which we've been given Islamically, and that is known as a ruhsah, that you are allowed to wipe over some item you're wearing on top of your feet, if you have put those socks or leather socks on upon purification, and you don't have to remove them to wash the feet. That is a ruhsah given. So that is in usul al-fiqh, when they talk about the azimah and the ruhsah, it's like uh, in Ramadan, fasting is the azimah. But if you're traveling a musafir, he has a ruhsah. So that is the exception or the allowance, the ease, the facilitation, the permission that you're given outside of the norm. Uh, وَالرُّخْصَ كَمَا عَرَّفَهَا الْأُصُولِيُّونَ هِيَ لُغَةً أَسْسُهُولَةً Linguistically, رُخْصَ means أَسْسُهُولَةً Meaning some ease and facilitation. Some ease and facilitation. And شَرْعًا مَا ثَبَتَ عَلَى خِلَافِ دَلِيلٍ شَرْعِ لِمُعَارِضٍ رَاجِحٍ This is the definition in usul. That's something which has been established contrary to an established evidence. What is the established evidence that you're supposed to wash the feet? Established, we've done the sifatul wudu. That is the established norm. So the ruhsa is something which is uh, known or established contrary to the Islamic evidence due to some opposing preponderant evidence. <clears throat> Doesn't matter if you don't understand all of that. That is the definition they give in Usul. Basically, as we said before, the azima is the default. The ruhsa is an exception or an ease that you're given from that default. So now then, al-hikmah. في تشريع الرخص التيسير على الأمة ورفع الحرج عنها Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us these rukhas has given us these uh, licenses or exceptions or permissions outside of the normal established rulings why has Allah given us some of these easier ways in some of the worships? It is 
to bring ease to the ummah, to bring about some ease for the ummah and to remove any uh, uh, undue difficulty. To bring about ease and to remove any awkward or difficulty that a person may face. والله سبحانه وتعالى يحب أن تؤتى رخصه كما يكره أن تؤتى معصيته and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that the ruchas that he gives us that they be taken that's mentioned that Allah loves that the permissions that he gives us outside of the normal rulings to make it easy for us, Allah loves that we take those permissions just as Allah detests that you fall into and implement and practice the sinning. Allah detests that you practice sinning, but He loves that you take the permissions He gives you. And that's why you have the difference of opinion regarding a musafir fi Ramadan. The traveler in the month of Ramadan. A traveler in the month of Ramadan. Is he allowed to miss the fasting if he's traveling? Established. He is allowed to miss the fasting. The rukhsa is there. When you're traveling, you can miss those days of Ramadan and make them up afterwards. It's in the Quran. But the question is, should a person who is fit and healthy, if he's traveling in Ramadan, should he take that rukhsa and miss that day? Or should he fast anyway, because he's fit and healthy, and traveling isn't going to cause him any problem? He's more than capable of fasting when traveling, especially these days, the travel is nothing really for most of the time then should he fast because he's capable and it's Ramadan? Or should he think, even though I'm capable, I'm going to take the day off anyway because I'm traveling and I'm allowed to take the rukhsa. Which of the two should he do? Both are allowed. But we didn't ask this question. <laughs> That's both are allowed. We know both are allowed. The question is, which one should he pick? Difference of opinion. Difference of opinion. He's ready to travel. It's Ramadan. And the brother is ready to travel right now. He needs a fatwa from you. What are you going to tell him? Then what? We're going to squeeze the answer out of you. <laughs> if he's capable, then what? If he's capable of fasting, then, uh, then he should fast because that's proven from... Uh, Alright, so you're saying then if he's capable of fasting, then he should fast. He's capable. It's Ramadan. Maybe you're going to get a train from Bradford to London. What are you going to be doing? Sitting down, relaxing. Maybe you've got the table seat, laptop in front of you. What difficulty have you got in that five-hour, three-hour train ride? So if there's no difficulty, nothing capable, healthy, Ramadan, 
virtues of Ramadan, you're saying he should just fast. Anybody else? Should take the Ruhsa. So even though it's Ramadan and the virtues of Ramadan and the journey is so easy and everything, he's capable, fit, healthy. You're saying the fatwa you would give him is, forget it brother, miss today. <laughs> you're traveling, you're allowed to miss, it's the Ruhsa. So they are the two opinions. And the scholars who say what you said is because of this. They say Allah loves that you take the permission that He gives you. So they say even if you're fit and healthy, they say take the permission Allah's given you. But others they say that it's better. There's another opinion. They say it's better in that scenario to fast for the one who is capable and fit and healthy, etc. They say fast. And what's their evidence? The hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was uh, traveling, he fasted, it was hot as well. But then he broke his fast. No. That was a different... Hatta uh, al-ghamim. When he came to Qura al-ghamim, he drank the water and broke his fast. So he didn't fast when he was traveling that time. That was a different occasion, I think. Which one are you talking about? Two different In one instance, him, uh, he's quite uh, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Abdullah ibn Rahawa, they both fasted. And some of the Sahaba brought the fast as well because they couldn't cope. And then in another instance, he said that Rasulullah <coughs> was still fasting, but he instructed the Sahaba, he saw some of them having weakness, so he instructed them, but they wouldn't break their fast. So Umm Salma told him that maybe if you break in front of them, they may be shy of breaking it because you are still fasting. So, yeah, so then he broke it. So that's an evidence when he broke it. There is a hadith though. You're right. There is a hadith. Uh, Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami when he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam radiyallahu anhu he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said inni ajidu bi quwwatan ala as-siyam fi as-safar he came to the messenger and he said i he was a fit strong man he said i o messenger find in of myself strength to be able to fast when I'm traveling. And traveling in those days was in the heat and the desert and the horses. He said, no problem. Even with all of that, I am strong, fit, I can fast. Is there any issue with that then? Meaning he was basically asking, if I don't take the ruhsa and I fast when I'm traveling because I'm more than capable with my strength that Allah has given him, then is there any problem in that? What did the Prophet ﷺ say to him? He said, هِيَ رُخْصَةٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ فَمَنْ أَخَذَ بِهَا فَحَسَنٌ It's a ruhsa that Allah has given you. So whomsoever takes that ruhsa, then good. That's good you take it. وَمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يَصُومَ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِ but whomsoever wants to fast, then there's no issue upon him. So upon that hadith, the scholars, they derived that if somebody's fit and healthy, you can fast and there's no problem upon you. You've not contradicted the issue of taking the rukhsah. Because there the Prophet ﷺ said to him, it's a rukhsah. And whoever takes that rukhsah, that's a good thing. But whoever wants to fast, then you can do so. There's no problem upon you. So there's a difference there. But the general rule is that when you have a rukhsah, 
then it is there and you can take it and it's a good thing to take them. Ah, فَالْحِكْمَةَ فِي تَشْرِيعِ الرُّخَصِ التَّيْسِيرِ عَلَى الْأُمَّةِ وَرَفْعُ الْحَرَجِ عَنْهَا وَاللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يُحِبُّ أَنْ تُؤْتَى رُخَصُهُ كَمَا يَكْرَهُ أَنْ تُؤْتَى مَعْصِيَاتُهُ فَالْأَخْذُ بِالْرُخْصَةِ أَوْلَى وَأَفْضَلُ So taking the rukhsa is better. And from amongst the different types of rukhsa that Allah has given us in the religion, one of those is the ability to wipe over your socks. So you should take that rukhsa when the circumstance arises that you can take it. فَإِنَّ فِي الْعَمَلِ بِرُخْصَةِ اللَّهِ دَفْعًا لِلْمَشَقَّةِ وَرَفْعًا لِلْحَرَجِ وَتَيْسِيرًا عَلَى الْأُمَّةِ Because by taking that ease Allah has given you, then it removes difficulty from you. No doubt. Wiping over the socks is a lot quicker and more convenient than having to take them off and wash your feet and dry your feet and put the socks back on. No doubt. So by taking the rukhsah, you are taking an ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. And Allah mentions in the Qur'an, كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ That Allah has not placed any, any, any difficulty or complication upon you in the religion. وَالْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ ثَابِتٌ بِالسُنَّةِ الْمُتَوَاتِرَةِ وَالْإِجْمَاعِ قال الإمام أحمد ليس في نفسي من المسح على الخفين شيء فيه أربعون حديثا عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم Wiping over the socks is something established by the sunnah in a mutawatir fashion Basically speaking that there are multiple narrations multiple companions who narrated the permissibility of wiping over the socks. Al-Imam Ahmed said, I do not have any issue inside me in regards to wiping over the socks. I have no problem in regards to wiping over the socks. Completely happy with that. And he mentioned the reason he said, there are over 40 narrations, 40 hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, exactly 40 he mentions regarding the wiping over the socks. So he said, I have no issue with this, completely permissible and good, wiping over the socks. al-Hasan al-Basri, rawa al-Masr, على الخفين سبعون من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الحسن البصري mentioned that there are 70-70 companions from the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم who reported the narrations about wiping over the socks وقال عبد الله ابن المبارك لَيْسَ بَيْنَ الصَّحَابَةِ خِلَافٌ فِي الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ 
that there is no difference between the companions regarding the issue of wiping over the socks. Abdullah ibn Mubarak, he said there is no difference between the companions upon the correctness of wiping over the socks. وَالْأُمَّةِ مُجْمِعَةِ يعني أهل السنة والجماعة مجمعون على ذلك أن أهل السنة are united upon this fact of wiping over the socks and its permissibility. لم يخالف فيه إلا المبتدعة من الشيعة والخوارج. Nobody opposed that except the innovators like the Khawarij and the Shia. وَشُبْهَتُهُمْ And the doubt that they raise in order to claim that you shouldn't wipe over your socks. The doubt that they try to bring is they say, يقولون, إِنَّ آيَةَ الْمَائِدَةِ مِنْ آخِرِ مَا نَزَلْ وَفِيهَا غُصْلُ الرَّجْلَيْنِ فَيَكُونُ الْحُكُمُ قَدْ تَقَرَّرَ بِغُصْلِ الرَّجْلَيْنِ فِي آخِرِ الْأَمْرِ لَا يَحْتَجُّونَ بِلَا حَدِيثِ يَعْتَبِرُونَهَا مَنْسُوخَ بِالْآيَةِ They say the ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah is one of the last ayat that was revealed towards the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. It was one of the last revelations, they say. And the ahadith, they say, all came prior to the revelation of the ayah. And so they claim the ayah abrogates all of the hadith. Because in the ayah, does it say anything about wiping? In the ayah, it just says you have to wash the feet. They say that ayah abrogates all of the ahadith that came prior to it regarding the wiping over the socks. But this is incorrect. Al-jawabu an hadha sahl walillahilhamd. The reply to that is very easy. Naqool. <coughs> بل إن المسح على الخفين هو المتأخر. The reality is the ahadith or some of the ahadith at least about wiping over the socks were revealed or they came about after the ayah of al-Ma'ida had already been revealed. They are claiming. That the ayah was the last thing. And so it abrogates all of the previous hadith about wiping over the socks. But the reality as you'll see, is that this claim of theirs is incorrect. There are some narrations about wiping over the socks that definitely came after the ayah was revealed. Bidaril Anna hadith حديث المغيرة كان في غزوة تبوك. The hadith of المغيرة المغيرة بن شعبة رضي الله عنه قال كنت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتوضأ فأهويت لأنزع خفي فقال دعهما 
فَإِنِّي أَدْخَلْتُهُمَا طَاهِرَتَيْنِ فَمَسَحَ عَلَيْهِمَا مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ There is this hadith of Al-Mughirah ibn Shu'bah رضي الله عنه He says, I was with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and this was in the battle of Tabuk. He said, I was with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and the Prophet uh, began to make wudu. And so he says, I bent down to take off the hoofs of the Prophet And the Prophet said to him, leave them. For indeed, I entered into them, I put them on upon purity. Meaning, leave them and the messenger was going to Wipe on them. He was going to wipe on them. Al-Mughirat ibn Shu'bah, when he saw the messenger making wudu, and noticed that the messenger was wearing the khuf, he bent down to take the khuf off the messenger for him. And the messenger said, no, leave them. Because I put them on upon purity previously. Meaning, no need to take them off. He was going to wipe over them. That's one of the ahadith proving the permissibility of wiping over the socks, and that hadith occurred in the battle of Tabuk. وَغَزْوَةْ تَبُوكْ كَانَتْ آخِرُ الْغَزَوَاتِ فِي السَّنَةِ التَّاسِعَةِ أَوْ الْعَاشِرَةِ And the battle of Tabuk, in Sira you see, it was one of the last, or it was the last of the battles in the year 9 or 10 Hijri just before the death of the Prophet ﷺ, meaning this narration of Al-Mughirah ibn Shu'bah was right at the end of the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, after Surah Al-Ma'idah, the ayah from Al-Ma'idah had already been revealed. وَهِيَ آخِرُ غَزَاهَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ and that was the last of the battles that the Prophet ﷺ fought in. أَمَّا نُزُولْ آيَةِ الْمَائِدَةِ فَكَانَ فِي غَزْوَةِ الْمُرَيْسِعِ الْمُسَمَّةِ بِغَزْوَةِ بَنِ الْمُسْطَلَقِ وَكَانَتْ مُتَقَدِّمَةِ عَلَى غَزْوَةِ تَبُوكِ As for the ayah of al-ma'idah, again in Sirah these affairs are established, that was revealed around about the time when the battle of Bani al-Mustalaq occurred. The ayah in al-Ma'idah was revealed around the time of the battle of Bani al-Mustalaq. This hadith was revealed in the time of the battle of Tabuk. The battle of Tabuk was the last one that the messenger fought in. The one of Bani al-Mustalaq was previous to that. Meaning therefore that the hadith came after the ayah. The hadith came after the ayah. So therefore they cannot claim that the ayah abrogates all of the hadith about wiping over the socks. This proves the messenger was still wiping over his socks after the ayah had been revealed. The ayah was revealed in the battle of Bani al-Mustalaq. 
Later on in the battle of Tabuk, the messenger was still wiping over his socks. So there's no abrogation, proven. The second answer, al-jawab al-thani, وَمِمَّا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَسْحَ هُوَ الْأَخِيرُ حَدِيثِ جَرِيرِ بِنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الْبَجَلِي رضي الله عنه There's another narration from Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali radiyallahu anhu فَهُوَ مِنْ رُوَاتِ الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَيْنِ He is one of the companions from amongst many of them who narrated the hadith about wiping over the socks. وَقَدْ قِيلَ لَهُ عَنِ الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَيْنِ and it was said to him, to this narrator, Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajani, they asked him, Ahada ba'da nuzul al-ma'idah? When he narrated the hadith about wiping over the socks, they even asked him, but was that ruling after the ayah in Surah al-Ma'idah? They explicitly asked him, Is this ruling you're narrating, did it come after the ayah of Surah Al-Ma'idah? Because the ayah of Surah Al-Ma'idah just says you have to wash your feet. So they asked him explicitly, This wiping over the socks, was this ruling after the ayah? قال, he said to them, وَهَلْ أَسْلَمْتُ إِلَّا بَعَدْ he said, and when did I become Muslim? Jarir ibn Abdullah says to them, when did I become Muslim? And when did he become Muslim? After the ayah of Al-Ma'idah had already been revealed. He became Muslim after that. So the narration he was narrating about the messenger wiping over the socks was definitely after the revelation of Ma'idah. He wasn't even Muslim at that time. It was afterwards he became Muslim and was with the messenger and then narrated this hadith about the wiping over the socks. فَجَرِيرَ بِنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ إِنَّمَا أَسْلَمَ بَعْدَ نُزُولِ سُورَةِ الْمَائِدَةِ الَّتِي فِيهَا آيَةُ الْوُضُوءِ وَرَوَى الْحَدِيثِ عَنِ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم فِي الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ فَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَسْحَ عَلَىٰ الْخُفَيْنِ مُتَأَخِّرْ عَلَىٰ نُزُولِ آيَةِ الْمَائِدَةِ That's another evidence then. One of the narrators is Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali and he only became Muslim after the revelation of Surah Al-Ma'idah proving therefore that his hadith came after Al-Ma'idah. So again, no abrogation as the people of innovation claim. Al-Jawabu al-Thalith there's a third response that can be given. نقول حتى لو ثبت أن آية المائدة متأخرة Even if it was proven, let's say for the sake of the argument, even if it was proven that Surah المائدة was the last thing. Let's assume for a second. Even if that was the case. فَإِنَّهُ لَا تَعَارُضَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ الْحَدِيثِ بَلْ يُجْمَعْ بَيْنَهُمَا Even then, there would be no contradiction between the ayah and the ahadith. Rather, you would combine between them. لِأَنَّهُ And this is from Usul al-Fiqh. 
And this is how a person truly understands the evidences. That's why Usulul Fiqh is so important. Here now, there's a principle in Usulul Fiqh. If you have two evidences that look like they are contradictory, you don't start saying straight away one of them must be abrogating the other. Abrogation is at the bottom of the list. In Usulul Fiqh, when you have two evidences that look like they are contradicting, abrogation is at the bottom of the list. Because you don't want to have to nullify and cross out any established evidences from the Sunnah. You have two established evidences, apparently contradictory. The last thing you want to do is cross one of them out. You don't want to do that. Rather, at the top of the list, what do you try to do first? See if there is a way of combining between them. See if there is a way of combining. لِأَنَّهُ لَا إِلَى only if there is no way possible at all of combining those evidences, then you can move down the list and go to abrogation. And in this case, combining between the evidences is possible. عَلَى مَا إِذَا كَانَتِ الرِّجْلَانِ مَكْشُوفَتَيْنِ فَيَجِبُ غُسْلُهُمَا وَأَحَدِيثُ الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ فِي حَالَةِ مَا إِذَا كَانَتِ الرِّجْلَانِ مُغَطَّاتَيْنِ بِالْخِفَافِ فَيُمْصَحُ عَلَيْهِمَا The Shaykh says you can combine very easily between these evidences. The ayah is talking about washing. And that is in the instance when you make wudu and your feet are not covered by anything, then the obligation is to wash. And the ahadith are talking about wiping, and that will be in the circumstance when you come to make wudu and your feet are covered by something that you put on upon purification previously. So there would be no need to abrogate one with the other when both of the evidences can be applicable. And when both evidences can be applicable, you apply them both. You don't try to abrogate and cross one out. That's the bottom of the list. If nothing else is working, then you can go down to talking about abrogating. So multiple answers there proving that wiping over the socks is permissible in the sunnah. The evidences then, if we mention some of those, the first hadith we already quoted عن المغيرة بن شعبة رضي الله عنه قال كنت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتوضأ فأهويت لأنزع خفي فقال دعهما فإني أدخلتهما طاهرتين When المغيرة بن شعبة saw the messenger starting to make wudu and he noticed the messenger was wearing his leather socks so he went to remove the socks so that when the messenger gets to the feet section, he can just wash them straight away. But as he went to do that, the messenger said, no, leave them. For indeed, I put them on upon purification. And so that is one clear evidence. And also, 
We spoke in this chapter, as Sheikh Abdurrahman Sa'di mentioned, the method of wiping. And the method of wiping was that you do it, how do you wipe? The top or the bottom? Top. The top of the socks. And there is a narration about that. And Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiyallahu anhu, قال, لو كان الدين بالرأي لكان أسفل الخف أولى بالمسح من أعلاه وقد رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يمسح على ظاهر خفه أخرجه أبو داود بإسناد حسن علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه said if the religion was based upon intellect then we would have said that wiping the bottom of the socks is what makes sense. Because when you wear your socks and you walk around, which side is getting dirty? The top or the bottom? Bottom. If it was based upon your intellect, then you would have thought intellectually that wiping on the socks should be the bottom of the socks. That's where they get the dirt and the dust. But he said no, meaning this religion is not by your intellect, it is by revelation, al-wahi. He says, I saw the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wiping over the top of his khuf, uh, uh, his khufain, wiping over the top of his leather socks. This therefore indicates the permissibility of wiping over the leather socks, no doubt. وَأَيْضًا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى أَنْ يَكُونَ الْمَلْبُوسُ عَلَى الرِّجْلِ سَاتِرًا لِجَمِيعِ الْمَفْرُوطِ لِأَنَّ لَفْظَ الْخُفِ إِنَّمَا يُطْلَقُ عَلَى مَا كَانَ سَاتِرًا لِلرِّجْلِ فَإِنْ كَانَ الْخُفُّ نَازِلًا عَنِ الْكَعْبَيْنِ أَوْ يَظْهَرُ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الرِّجْلِ مِنْ وَرَائِهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُمْسَحُ عَلَيْهِ لِأَنَّ الظَّاهِرَ غَيْرُ مُغَطَّى وَمَا كَانَ ظَاهِرًا فَفَرْضُهُ الْغُسْلُ وَإِنَّمَا رُخِّصَ فِي مَسْحِ السَّاتِرِ الشيخ الفوزان mentions that in the Arabic language the word خُف we say in English the leather socks it indicates in the Arabic language a hoof is always something that covers all of the foot. If you had a leather sock that covered just the, 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 the sole of your foot and it doesn't cover the top, then technically in Arabic that is not known as a hoof. The hoof in Arabic is something that covers all of your foot. And so here the Shaykh says, the hadith are about the khuf. The narrations are all about the messenger wearing a khuf. And that is something that covers all of the foot, up to and including the area around the ankles and all of the foot. That would be the khuf. Anything lesser than that is technically, linguistically not known as a khuf. And so the Shaykh says, this would therefore indicate, and there is more speech about this, but from here so far, it would therefore indicate that the socks you're wearing 
must be covering all of your foot. And they cannot be socks that cover sections of your foot and leave other sections bare. Rather, all of your foot must be covered by that item in order to wipe over it. And also, some of the scholars, they mention regarding the thickness of that item, that it doesn't have to be leather socks, it can be other socks, but they must be thick enough such that they cover the skin. If they were so thin that you can see through them to the skin of the person's foot, then it would not be suitable to wipe over them. And there are differences amongst the scholars over some of those issues, but that is what the Shaykh has mentioned so far. And then, فِي الْحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى اشْتِرَاطِ لُبْسِ الْخُفَّيْنِ بَعْدَ كَمَالِ الطَّهَارَةِ That the condition to be able to wipe on your socks is that you must have put them on in a state of purity. So imagine now, at Maghrib time, somebody made the full wudu, and they washed their feet and everything. And then they put their socks on. Now it comes to Isha, and their wudu broke, and they want to make the wudu again now. So now they are allowed to leave their socks on and just wipe. Because the previous time when they put their socks on, they were upon purification. They made wudu at Maghrib. On wudu, they put their socks on. Now it breaks, they can just wipe over those socks. But imagine somebody made wudu at Maghrib time. Washed his feet and everything. Made the full wudu. Didn't put his socks on though. Came, prayed Maghrib, hasn't put on his socks. After Maghrib, gets a bit nippy. With the gas bills, masjid isn't turning on the radiators. <laughs> so then, he puts on his socks. But by this time, after the prayer, his wudu had broken after the prayer. And then, he decides to put on his socks. Now it comes to Isha time, and he needs to make his wudu again. What does he have to do? Remove the socks and wash his feet, because he put them on at a time when he was not upon wudu or purification. So you must be upon a state of purification when you put them on. If you put them on in a state when you are not in purification, then you cannot wipe. The other issue, a person makes the wudu at maghrib time, washes his feet, puts on his socks. Praise maghrib. And then sitting in the mosque, Gets a bit too hot. So he decides to take his socks off. And then later on, closer to Isha time, gets a bit nippier, puts them back on. He hasn't broken his wudu at any stage since Maghrib. He made his wudu at Maghrib, washed his feet, put on his socks. Prayed Maghrib, got a bit hot in the mosque, took his socks off. Later on now, Coming up to Isha time, he puts them back on again a bit nippy. And then he breaks his wudu. After he replaced his socks, he ends up breaking his wudu. Now Isha time, he has to make wudu obviously. How does he have to make it? 
He can wipe no problem as long as, long as he didn't wipe. No problem. He can wipe in that circumstance because he took the socks off. But during that period, nothing happened. His wudu didn't break. He was still upon purity. When he replaced his socks, he was still upon purity. So it's irrelevant about taking the socks off in between. Uh, and then he mentions here also, some more of the rulings are going to come up here. وعن صفوان بن عسال رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يأمرنا إذا كنا صفرا أن لا ننزع خفافنا ثلاثة أيام ولياليهن إلا من جنابه ولكن من غائط وبول ونوم Here he mentions that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to command us when we were journeying to not remove our leather socks for three days. If you are journeying, you're on a, 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 a trip Traveling, journeying, you can keep them on for three days and carry on wiping. Except if you fell into a state of major impurity, then you got to wash fully, make the full ghusl. But outside of major impurity, all the other things that break your wudu, you could carry on wiping. Three days of traveling, you're obviously going to go to sleep. Sleep is one of the you wake up in the morning, your wudu has been broken because you slept. You can just wipe if you're traveling. The next night you go to sleep, you can still at Fajr get up and wipe because you've got three days when you're traveling. Uh, when you go to the toilet, bowl, your wudu breaks, but you can just wipe over the socks afterwards. If previously you had put them on in a state of purity. Uh, mm. So he says, "Kana al-Nabiyu sallallahu alaihi wasallam yamuruna. Hada fihi an al-mash ala al-khufain mustahab. The fact that Safwan ibn Asal says that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi used to tell us, command us to wipe over the socks for three days." The messenger telling them in that way indicates that doing so was an action that is at least mustahab. It's not obligatory. Obviously, it's not obligatory if you made wudu at Maghrib and you put your socks on and then your wudu breaks, you're allowed to wipe. But if you decided, I'm going to take them off, I want to wash my feet as well. It's a bit hot. I want to wash my feet as well, etc. Anything wrong with that? Nothing at all. But the fact that the messenger told them indicates it's something mustahab. The messenger wouldn't have commanded them or told them about that otherwise in that way. So it is something mustahab to do. Uh, and this was when they were traveling, they were allowed three days and three nights except if it was from the major impurity. Then also you have the hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib. جَعَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ وَلَيَالِيهِنَّ لِلْمُسَافِرِ وَيَوْمًا وَلَيْلَةً لِلْمُقِيمِ يعني في المسح على الخفين أخرجه مسلم. It's mentioned in Sahih Muslim clear explicit rulings that the messenger prescribed three days and nights 
for the traveler to be able to carry on wiping and one day and one night, 24 hours for the person who is resident. The question here arises, when does your time start? So imagine, for example, this morning at Fajr. Imagine this morning at 5, let's call it easy times, 5 a.m. Somebody wakes up this morning, Friday morning, woke up at 5 a.m., made their full wudu, washed their feet and put their socks on. And then they prayed Fajr, they went about their business, the wudu breaks, let's imagine, 9 a.m. So then they make their wudu again and wipe over their socks. When does that person's time start? His 24 hours. From 5 a.m. or 9 a.m.? So 5 a.m. or 9 a.m.? 9 a.m.? Even though he washed his feet and put on his socks originally at 5 a.m., you're saying 9 a.m. Why? Because 9 a.m. in this example simplified is when his wudu broke and he went and made wudu again and wiped. The timing starts from the first wiping. When you make your wudu and wipe for the first time, now your 24 hours on those socks has begun. Uh, also, he mentions here in the hadith of Ubay ibn Imarah radiyallahu anhu annahu qal Ya Rasulullah, amsahu ala al-khuffayn qala na'am qala yawman qala na'am qala yawmayn qala na'am qala thalatha qala na'am wa ma shi't In this narration it mentions how he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about wiping over the socks. And he said, can I do that for a day? And the messenger said, yes. And he said, for two days? And the messenger said, yes. And three days? And the messenger said, yes. And what you wish? This indicates the permissibility of wiping over the socks as it came before. This hadith seems to indicate as long as you don't take them off, you can carry on wiping as long as you want. That's what this narration mentions because the man said one day, messenger said yes, two days, yes, three days, yes, and as long as you wish. That's what the narration says. Indicating therefore that if you keep them on, you don't take them off, you could carry on wiping as long as you want. But the other hadith just told us, it's not as long as you want. If you're a traveler, it's three days, and if you're a resident, it's one day. Wal jawab ala hada. The answer is quite simple. This hadith is not. Uh, uh, even if there is levels of authenticity to it, it is not 
uh, of the level of authenticity that can be accepted uh, in contradiction to the narrations mentioned about three days or one day. It is simply not strong enough as a narration to cause any problems to the clear, explicit narrations of three days for the traveler and one day for the person who is resident. So the one who is resident is the person who is in his place of living and he has not traveled anywhere. Uh, then you have عن ثوبان قال بعث رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سرية فأمرهم أن يمسحوا على العصائب يعني العمائم والتساخين يعني الخفاف There's this hadith where a group of them was sent a battalion into battle and they were told by the messenger that they can wipe over their turbans we covered that last week and also التساخين and that is in reference to al-khifaf the leather socks and also from umar radiyallahu anhu mawqufan wa an anas marfu'an idha tawadda'a ahadukum فَلَبِسَ خُفَّيْهِ فَلْيَمْسَحْ عَلَيْهِمَا وَلْيُصَلِّ فِيهِمَا وَلَا يَخْلَعْهُمَا إِنْ شَاءَ إِلَّا مِنْ جَنَابَةً Again, the same meaning that if one of you makes wudu and then wears his socks, then you can wipe over them and pray in them. And he does not need to remove them except from major impurity. If you fall into major impurity, janaba. Then that's it. You have to remove the socks to make the full ghusl. In that case, you have to remove the socks to make the full ghusl. Otherwise, it is permissible to keep them on from the minor affairs that break the wudu. Those are some of the main rulings regarding the socks. One of the uh, others that people often ask about is, Imagine the same person at Maghrib time made his wudu, washed his feet, put on his socks. Then afterwards, he removes his socks. He removes his socks. Or Wiping then removing, that's the one. So the person, he, he makes his wudu at Maghrib, washes his feet and puts on his socks. Now, Isha time, his wudu is broken. So he can go and wipe on the socks. Then after Isha, maybe he stays awake and at one o'clock in the morning, he's going to pray some night prayer. After Isha, he took off his socks when he went home. And then he put them back on again. His wudu didn't break at any point. Now when it comes to 1 a.m. and he wants to pray his night prayer, what's the ruling? Think about what happened. He made his wudu at Maghrib fully, washed his feet, put on his socks. Isha time his wudu broke, so he went and made wudu and wiped on his socks. 
Then after Isha, he went home, and right now he is upon wudu. He made wudu for Isha, wiped on his socks. He's upon wudu. He went home, sits down, relaxes, takes off his socks. Then at one o'clock, he's awake still, hasn't gone to sleep. He hasn't broken his wudu in any other way either. Decides to pray night prayer. He gets up, bit nippy again. Decides to put his socks on. Or even if he doesn't decide to put his socks on, he wants to pray at one o'clock now. What situation is he in right now? He's fine. So at, wait, at nine o'clock, he made wudu and he wiped on his socks. After nine o'clock, did he break his wudu at any time? No. But the only thing he did do was when he went home, he took off his socks. So. So the socks don't have wudu, the person has wudu. Correct, yeah. I understand what you're saying. So, so he, he was upon wudu, he took off his socks, that doesn't affect anything, it's not the socks, it's him, he's upon wudu. So you're saying he can pray? You're saying? He can pray. What about the people who say, when he wiped over his socks for the Isha prayer, when his wudu had broken, he took what? He took the, the rukhsah. He took the ease, the rukhsah, which was that you don't have to remove your socks and then wash your feet. And He didn't want to get into that difficulty, so he took the ease and he wiped over his socks. He took the rukhsah. When he went home, he decided to take off his socks. Clearly he was not in need of any rukhsa at this stage. Got rid of his socks, took them off. And his wudu was connected at that stage to having washed his feet or to having wiped over his socks the wudu that he was currently on when he got home. It was the one where he had wiped over the socks, not washed his feet. His wudu was a Wiping over the socks connected wudu. And now those socks, he's got rid of them. Are his feet considered to be upon wudu? Some scholars, they differ over this. They say he took a rukhsa. Now that he's decided he doesn't want the rukhsa anymore, he's taken the socks off himself. He's not deserving of the rukhsa anymore then. Now when he wants to pray, go make wudu and wash your feet. You took off your socks. That's what some of them say. You've decided you don't need the rukhsa in your situation anymore. You've taken off your socks. So now if you want to pray, go make wudu and wash your feet then. And others they say, as you mentioned, when he wipes over the socks, he is now in a state of wudu. He, as the person, is now in a state of wudu. Not his physical cotton socks. It's not like you've got wudu and then your socks have got wudu but not your feet. You've got wudu when you wipe over your socks. So some of the scholars say in that scenario we described, if he takes off his socks, he is still upon wudu. Some of them say, okay, he's still upon wudu. But... If he's got rid of the rukhsa, he should go at least just 
no, wash his feet. They say, some of them, this is an opinion, that if he goes home then and takes off his socks, and he is currently upon the state of wudu, having wiped for Isha prayer. He goes home upon the state of wudu, just takes off his socks. Now if he wants to pray again, some of the scholars say, okay, your wudu hasn't broken, but because you were upon a rukhsa wudu, and you've got rid of the rukhsa now, then go back to the azima and go wash just your feet. You're on wudu, just wash your feet. That's an opinion as well. There are lots of them when you go into the books of fiqh. So to summarize this chapter then, فَإِنْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ خُفَّانِ وَنَحْوُهُمَا مَصَحَ عَلَيْهِمَا إِنْ شَاءَ When a person is wearing the leather socks or equivalent, uh, and then he can wipe over them if he wishes for a day, 24 hours, for somebody who is resident, and that 24 hours starts from the first time you make a wudu upon wiping. Not when you initially make the wudu and wash your feet and put on the socks. Afterwards, when you then make wudu and wipe, your time begins there. 24 hours for the resident, 72 hours for the traveler. And the condition is, he must have put the socks on in a state of purity at the time. If he put them on in a state of impurity, in a state of not being on wudu, and then it comes to making wudu, he can't wipe, he's got to take them off and wash. Only allowed if you put them on upon purity initially. And as the Sheikh mentioned briefly here, and there is some discussion about that, but that it must cover all of the feet, and that it must be thick material that is not see-through. And there is more discussion about that, because then what happens if you're wearing socks with a hole? There's a hole in your socks. What do you do if you have a hole in the socks? Masakin, you know, the brothers, everybody's going to have a hole in the socks. And what are you going to do? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> you got more sock than hole, then you're okay. There you are. And what if you got more hole than sock? <laughs> you got some strings around your ankles. So there are there are some narrations. There are some narrations about some of the companions having holes in their 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 hoof or their their socks, and that they would still make the wudu. So something minor. Some of the scholars have said doesn't uh, invalidate the ability to wipe over it. If it's something minor. But if it was significant, then that's not covering your feet and then you cannot wipe over it. What about shoes? If you're wearing shoes? Yeah, or if you're wearing socks and then shoes on top of them, so the combination of them is above your ankles, it's the same thing? But the point is something covering them. If you'd wipe over your socks and you put your shoes. What's that? If you wipe over the socks, in, uh, so you're upon a, uh, a wudu of wiping on the socks. Then you put shoes on top to pray in. That scenario like that isn't a problem. Because imagine you made a full wudu and washed your feet. Then you put your socks and your shoes and go pray. Is there a problem? So putting something on top isn't an issue. Could you, could you, wipe, over, could you wipe over the shoes? But then wiping over the shoes. Uh, uh, so you washed your feet the first time and you made your wudu and you put your shoes and socks on and then uh, afterwards your wudu breaks. Now you're wearing your shoes and socks you're outside somewhere. You could make your wudu and just wipe over the whole thing. And then pray in the shoes and the socks. But what if you wipe over the shoes and then take them off and only pray in your socks? Then you're getting into those same kind of problems as before. Now the area that you wiped on, you're no longer using it. That part of the rukhsa, you've got rid of it. Then you get into complications on those issues. Likewise, if you wipe over the socks in the house, then you go out with your shoes. You wipe over the shoes then, you have to go back to the sock. You mean the second time when your wudu breaks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first time you wiped over your socks, you, uh, you washed your feet, put your socks on, your yeah, wudu broke, yeah. so you wiped over your socks. And then you put your shoes on and go outside somewhere and your wudu breaks. Now, do you have to take your shoes off and wipe over the original socks? Or can you wipe over the shoes? Anyone? It is, again, these kind of topics, you're going to get some speech of the scholars, but generally they will say that is still okay. The whole point of it is a rukhsa. Now you're wearing shoes on top as well. It's the same as the socks. If you take your shoes off, you've still got a rukhsa there. The rukhsa is still there for the socks. Your shoes are on top now. That's part of your rukhsa. Now you can wipe. Wipe and pray. And, uh, you know, with those kind of topics, you might get some differences between the scholars on what to do, how to do it. And if the shoes are by themselves and you're not wearing socks, because many of the scholars, they say it's got to be above your ankles and they don't allow the ankle socks and they don't allow shoes below the ankles. You get those kinds of differences on some of the topics as well. Uh, and then, so, Wiping is only from the minor things, not from janaba and major impurity. Uh, and then, the final thing in the chapter was the cast. If you have a broken arm, broken leg, broken something, they put a cast on you. 
uh, or you have an area of your body from the wudu areas that has a wound on it or some type of injury or, 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 or problem and so there is medication on that area and you're not allowed to wash it and, and put water over it, cannot be wiped off, then in that case, in those circumstances, for the cast, you would make your wudu as normal everywhere else. And then the cast, imagine it's your uh, wrist. You've got a cast on your wrist. Your fingers are showing, the top of your arm is showing. The top of your arm and your fingers, you're going to wash properly. And just the part with the cast, you're going to have to get water and wipe over that area. Wipe. That you don't pour water onto your cast. You get the water in your hand and just wipe <coughs> over the cast. But the fingers that are showing, you got to wash them with the water. And the top of the arm, wash it with the water. Areas that are visible from the wudu areas must be washed. The cast area can be wiped over and wipe over it completely. Not like the socks just over the top. Top, side, bottom, everywhere, all around, give it a wipe on the cast area. Uh, and the area where there is medication, if you have an area of medication that you cannot touch and water cannot get onto it, then that area, again, uh, the scholars, they mentioned, you would simply do the ghusl, uh, the, uh, the wudu. You would do the wudu normally in all of the other areas. But then what are you going to do with that area? Imagine now somebody's got some big cut. They fell down. There's a big cut in their arm. They've gone to the A&E. They've got stitches on there. They've got cream. They put that glue on. they got all that stuff on there. They've told you, don't let water get on that now. It's going to wash the glue off. It's going to open up the wound again. You can't even wipe on that. You can't even touch that area. What are you going to do? Or imagine it's on your head. On your head, especially when they have to use your hair. You know, they use your hair to tie a knot in your uh, skin on your head when you cut it open. So you can't put any water on there or try and wipe it. What are you going to do? Tayammum. I will make wudu and tayammum for the parts you can't. So in that case, imagine somebody has a gash on their head. And, and you go to A&E, they stitch it up. And obviously they tell you, don't touch that area. No water, no nothing, don't wipe, nothing. Or on your arm, a big cut. Or, or you have some skin disease and they put the cream on it. And they say, this cream has to stay there for eight hours. You can't touch it. So maybe that's at midday. And dhuhr and asr and the prayer times. So then in that case, those areas that you cannot touch, then you cannot touch. The rest of your wudu body parts make full wudu. But then that area is going to be left. You can't touch it. But then if you can't touch it, it means your wudu is incomplete. So you have to do something about this area that you couldn't touch. Your wudu is incomplete. The ayah we mentioned, you got to do all those body parts. So to make up for this part that you can't touch, you're supposed to then add on at the end a tayammum. Do the wudu everywhere else, add on a tayammum. This is like the fatwa of the scholars about somebody who removes a tooth. If you remove a tooth, and then uh, some of the dentists, they tell you, you know, you can't put any water in there, nothing in there. So you can't do the madmada, for example. You can't do the water in your mouth for a, a few hours. Maybe it was just before a prayer time. And you come home, you need to make wudu and pray. So then in that case, the scholars, they say, okay, if you cannot put water in there, make wudu everywhere else as usual. And upon the correct opinion that madmada is a part of the obligation of the face, your wudu is incomplete without it. But you can't put water in there. So do the rest of the wudu and then add on a 
tayammum to cover the fact that you were unable to complete one of the areas of wudu. That's what you would do in that scenario there. That brings us to the end of this particular section. Next time, insha'Allah ta'ala, Bab Nawaqid al-Wudu. The chapter regarding the nullifiers of wudu. What breaks your wudu? What are the types of things that break your wudu? Some are obvious, obviously, breaking wind, etc. But then there are some others that are a bit more complicated. Some others that have a bit more detail about the things that can break your wudu. So, insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll start with those uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, in the next session, insha'Allah. Is a person sinful if the only reason he doesn't wipe off his socks is because like, he's been given the dalil that's been established on him and he knows, but he rejects it and doesn't wipe off his socks for that reason, even though it's easier. Is that sinful for that person to do that? Well, that person is clearly upon misguidance in regards to understanding the sunnah. Somebody who believes that it's impermissible to wipe. Somebody who believes it's impermissible to wipe has misunderstood the sunnah and has opposed the sunnah. He is opposing the sunnah believing that it's impermissible to wipe. And that's different compared to somebody who knows it's permissible, but they just prefer to wash their feet. It could be something personal that they need to wash their feet regularly. Could be different reasons, no problem. They know it's permissible, but they wash for other reasons. But this issue of somebody believing it's impermissible and that's why they don't do it, then that's a problem because they are then opposing the sunnah. And that's obviously general to any sunnah that you oppose. Or they're sticking to leather, specifically leather. Sticking to leather, that's, uh, uh, you know, because all the narrations, they mention the khuffain. They mention the leather socks. The khuf is the leather type of socks. So there are opinions of some scholars. They say it is only the khuf, the leather socks that you can wipe over. There's a big difference between leather socks and cotton socks. But other scholars have said no, anything anything else that is equivalent to leather socks is also okay. And that's what many of the scholars, the majority generally say. That it is permissible with anything equivalent to them as well, normal <laughs> socks that are thick, not completely thin. So, I think Ibn Mundur mentions the narration of 10, 11 of the Sahaba wiping over cotton socks, not from the prophets, and from the Sahaba. So, hey, from the companions, there are, from the companions, there are narrations about socks that were not leather necessarily. There are narrations from the companions. But the scholars who mention about the khuf, because all of the prophets' narrations are only ever about khuf. But the companions, we take that as well. Alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al khulafa al rashidi. Anybody else? I'll start when we're making wudu and at the part of washing the face. When you need to then wash your beard afterwards, do you do it on the third handful of washing your face, or do you get like fresh water for running the finger through the beard? Third handful? Like you wash your face three times. In every time you're supposed to do it. Also, the first one first. Then yeah, yeah. In every time it's a part of the face. You do it all together every time. Uh, it's 
the ones who talk about the rukhsa, about the removal of the rukhsa, then that still applies. You have removed the rukhsa the minute you take off the socks. So the scholars who are upon that opinion, then their fatwa is going to be the same. Either your wudu is gone, or at the minimum, you've got to go wash your feet before you put your next socks on. If you're upon that fatwa of those scholars, um, but the ones who don't, I mean, because there are differences on that about the one who takes off his socks when he's upon a state of wudu after having wiped. There are differences. Some of them say your wudu's broken the minute you take them off. Others, like we said, they say your wudu's okay, but you gotta wash your feet. Others, they say nothing. Your wudu is your wudu. You're okay. You put them back on. You're okay. So there's differences on that. And Allah alam what is the strongest of them, but the safest, al-ahwat as they say, if you want to have the ahwat opinion every time, which is the most encompassing. Meaning, when you have differences of opinion, which opinion can you implement where none of the other scholars are going to have a problem with you? That's the ahwat. That's what they call it in fiqh. So if now in that scenario, and all these scenarios we talked about, if you just went and made full wudu again, would any one of the scholars be able to say anything against you? Nothing, you've made a full wudu. But if you decide, I only need to wash my feet. Now there's going to be a group of them who say, no. If you say, I don't need to do anything. Put the new socks on, you're all good. You're going to have a big group of them maybe who now say, no. But if you just go and make the wudu again, can any of them say anything to you? That's what they call the ahwat opinion. The opinion where you're encompassing the whole scenario and nobody can have any criticism of you. And they often mention that in the books of fiqh, al-ahwat, that you do X, Y, and Z. So that there's no problem, khurujan min al-khilaf, as they say, to take yourself out of the difference of opinion. By making wudu again, you've taken yourself out of the issue. You're not involved in the issue anymore. You've gone and made wudu again and put your socks on again. Last one, prayer time, go on. Here, Ashir Abdurrahman Rahimahullah said, you have to wash them uh, or wipe the majority of the top. The majority of the top. So it doesn't necessitate sides or this side, the, the majority. And basically, if you run your hand from the toes up to your ankle, you've covered the majority of the sock. All right, go on. Uh, you know, the socks wiping, can you do it at the same time or is it separately? When did you arrive? When did you arrive? Well, I just arrived now. Okay. And your question was? Oh, together? Oh, yeah, this is a... It's not a big problem. Some scholars, they say you should do both together. Some of them mention right and then left. That isn't something specified that is going to invalidate anything or cause a problem. If you do them both together, done. If you do it one by one, no scholar is going to say to you that's wrong or your, your wiping is incorrect. But perhaps both together is the best way, then it's clear again. We should leave it there. Prayer time is here. Inshallah, in two weeks' time, we'll carry on in the next section.